please do turn, if you have a Bible or a device, to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to pick it up in verse 6 of Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, please may you speak to each one of us, whether we were expecting it or not, this morning, through your living word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, for the sake of your glorious Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, wasn't it a joy to hear the testimonies of those who are going to be baptized in a few minutes' time? But how will they keep going? And maybe if you're a Christian who has your particular challenges, you wonder how you're going to keep going sometimes. And maybe if you're not yet a Christian and you're considering the possibility of following Jesus, maybe a question that you sometimes ask yourself, if I was to commit myself to following Jesus, how would I keep going? Would I keep going? Well, how do you start? That's another question, isn't it? Before you ever get going. How do you get going before you keep going? Well, these are people being baptized today who have, in the words of verse 6 of Colossians 2, received Christ Jesus, the Lord. And Paul makes a point almost of underlining that phrase, the Lord. So the, the Jesus that they've received is the Lord. They've accepted him not just as their Savior who has saved them from their sins and from future judgment and from eternal death, but is their Lord now and forever. And key to becoming a Christian and key to continuing as a Christian is to receive Christ Jesus the Lord. And as we've seen earlier in the book, in this letter, Lord of the universe, Lord of creation, Lord of the church, Lord of our lives. And that word received is, is more than just receiving into our hearts. That's made the way it's often used in Christian circles. Received is more in terms of receiving the teaching and the truth about Jesus Christ. Even in verse 7 it says, just as you were taught. It's the word that the apostle uses in 1 Corinthians 15 when he reminds them of the gospel which you received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you. And then he talks about what he delivered, and that's tied in with the word received. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. There's that word received again. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, then to the twelve, and then to five hundred or more. 
So this idea of receiving Christ isn't just a personal transaction, if you like, where I accept that he is my Savior and Lord. It's receiving the truth about him. We need to learn Christ. So when Paul says, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, there's a lot packed in there. And then there's the command, so walk in him. And it's a command in the present tense with a sense of continuous command, a standing order. That is, keep on walking in relationship with Christ, a relationship which understands that he is Lord of all. So there is no part of my life, if I'm a Christian, of which he is not Lord. He is Lord of everything. Phil told us about the verse that God used in that meeting in his school, do you remember, from Romans, which says, if you confess that Jesus is Lord. Andy talked about how when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you begin to, and I quote him, to live life with God in control. God in control. When I was growing up, I used to hear my father preach, and an illustration that God used in my life that he employed was that of imagining your life as a house with a lot of rooms. And God wants control and access to all of those rooms. So if you've locked him out of the area of how you use your money or your relationships, then something needs to change. And I remember being very challenged as a, as a teenager by this teaching one particular Sunday and, and saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm really sorry. I seem to have locked some of the rooms in my life. I unlocked them and here are the keys. And I sort of gave the keys back to God, as it were. And then a few months later, my father, being a preacher who kept using the same illustrations, you know how it is, um, he came back and he used the illustration again, and I thought, oh dear, I have gone and locked some of the rooms in my life. I must let God have access to all of the rooms. And then it dawned on me, John, this isn't something you do every few months. This is something you do every day of your life. You've got to hand over the keys of the whole of your life every morning, as it were, and say, Lord, you can have control of everything in my life. But what does that look like in practice? How do you walk on with Christ as your Lord? That's our title this morning. You can see it on the screen there. Walk on. I'm very tempted to do that. I'll spare you doing the, uh, the song from the cop in the Duke Street version. Walk on, walk on with Christ as your Lord. You know how it goes. Well, what does it look like in, in practice to, have, to walk on with Christ as your Lord? This is what these two verses tell us. So walk in him, rooted in him, that's the first thing, built up in him, that's the second, established in the faith just as you were taught, that's the third, abounding in thanksgiving. So those are the things that we're going to look at in turn. And of course the rest of the letter, this is in a sense the heart of the letter, this summarizes the whole letter, these two verses. Um, And they set up the rest of the letter, which will tell us how to walk in him in very practical terms so if you look at for example 311 christ is all and in all is how the verse ends so put on then as god's chosen ones compassionate hearts kindness humility meekness patience bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive 
as the Lord has forgiven you. Those being baptized today have talked about how they discovered the forgiveness of their sins. And indeed, baptism, which is referred to in chapter 2, verse 12, is, is a picture of being buried with Christ. Look at 2.12, 2, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Christ from the dead. So baptism, baptism is a double picture. It is a picture of going down into death with Christ and rising from the dead with Christ and to tell the world that we have come to share in Christ's death and resurrection. So nothing is ever the same again. This is a new life that has been begun. And of course, it's also, there's a lot of water here. I'm treading very carefully, I can tell you, on this bit of the platform. Uh, there is a lot of water there and it's a magnificent picture of cleansing, of washing. It's a huge bath, if you like. You get into a bath to wash yourself. And so those being baptized are going to be washed symbolically as a symbol of their forgiveness, the washing clean from sin. But back to our question for this morning for a few minutes. How do you know someone really is a Christian and how do you keep going as a Christian? And the answer is, you must continue to walk on with Christ as your Lord. So four things will mark this walk and we'll briefly run through them in verse 7. Number one, rooted in Christ. You will walk rooted in Christ. Now you may say, well, that, that doesn't work as an analogy. If you're rooted somewhere, you're not walking, are you? Well, the word literally is walk. It's some of the translations, the modern translations, just have live. So live in him. Because it was a metaphor for living ethically, if you like, in a particular way. So don't get hung up on the, don't trip up on, on the contradiction, if you like, between walking and being rooted. The word is literally having been rooted, something that's taken place and now has continuing consequences. It may be a picture of being planted like a tree in Christ, secure with your roots down into him. But the word was sometimes used of the foundations of a building being dug deep. In my 20s, I used to work in the city of London. And um, I think it's fair to say it's true now, isn't it, that there's always a block somewhere being built. There's always a, bit, a massive, probably several building projects or buildings being built in the city of London. And I remember the first time I peeped through one of those windows. You know, they often have a hoarding along the front, and there's a little window that you can look in to see what the progress is of, of the building works. So and looking into the window, and my eyes going down and down and down, into this enormous hole in the ground. Thinking, my goodness me, that is a very deep hole. And of course, the point is that if you're gonna build a tall building, you need a deep hole. You need to dig your foundations deep. Now the roots of the Christian have been placed deep down into Christ. He's the source of stability. You're not gonna be blown over by the storms of life if you're rooted in Christ with deep foundations. And it's something, first and foremost, that God has done in your life. You have been rooted. But I think there's also a sense of responsibility. Remember, this is, this is a word that's dependent on the command to walk rooted. So there's a sense of obligation and responsibility on the part of the Christian to make sure they don't change their foundations and try and shift to other foundations. No, you are rooted in Christ. Walk on rooted. Secondly, 
building on Christ. Walk on building on Christ. Again, it's, it's a literally being built up in him. And being built up, again, has a sense of progress. If you've ever been involved in a building project, like we were last year as a church in this very space that we're sitting in, you'll know that sometimes it seems that little, if any, progress is being made. But if you take the trouble to ask the builder what is going on, well, they'll tell you. And that there is progress. You can't see it at the moment. It's something maybe behind the scenes or whatever. But there is progress. And the passive here, being built in him, being built up in him, is a reminder but, that this is God's work. He is the master builder. And one of the remarkable things about being a Christian is discovering how immensely patient God is with us. You're a Christian, do you know that? Patient with us as individual Christians and patient with us as a church, as a group of Christians or whatever church you come from if you're visiting from a church. Do you know, if I were God, I would have given up on John Samuel years ago. But he's a very patient God, isn't he? Now we have to, again, make sense of the command to walk on being built up. It's something that God has done. We are built on Christ by God, and yet there's something which we need to do. It's, there's a sense of obligation. And I think it's this, that we must cooperate with God in the building. Again, if you go onto a building site or into a house that's having work done or something, you, you're, you're with the builders and you're wanting to cooperate and talk with them about how things are done, and you're trying not to get in their way. You want to work with them. They're doing the work, but you're working with them on it. And so in the same way, we work with God, as it were, on his building project in our lives, in our church. We can't simply say, well, it's nothing to do with us. It's, it's God's work. It sounds very spiritual, but it's, it's actually a cop-out, I think. If we're Christians, we have to go on building into Christ, connecting with him, building the bricks, laying them on the next row of bricks, seeking his help to make progress, listening to his commands, tuned into what Christ is my Lord, Christ Jesus. So I'm to walk in him. Well, if he's my Lord, I must listen to what he's saying. So, for example, chapter 3, verse 1, talking to Christians. If then you have been raised with Christ, and at this stage he's talking spiritually, they've not been physically raised, bodily raised yet, They're living in Colossae. If you've been raised with Christ spiritually, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And here's the future. When Christ, who is in your life, who is your life, rather, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Fix your minds on that. That's what the Apostle Paul says. That's what the command of God is. And if you're not yet a Christian here this morning and you're listening into this, you can't get off the hook again by saying, well, if God wants me to become a Christian, it's really nothing to do with me. He'll, he'll do it if he wants to. Well, there's truth in that, and yet, no, the command of God is still to you to repent. In other words, to turn right around from the direction you're going in 
and to go in God's direction the other way, the opposite direction. So an end to self-reliance, which is how the world operates. And instead a life of reliance on Christ alone and submission to him. No, we have to do something. We can't simply say, nothing to do with me. You need to build on Christ. Thirdly, as you walk on with Christ as your Lord, be reinforced in Christ. This is, I think, the sense of established in the faith just as you were taught. Now, I don't know for sure the, it's, it's not entirely clear, but it's possible that Paul is continuing the building analogy here. Be strengthened, reinforced in your building. If you've ever had a survey done on a house, uh, what do you expect the surveyor to tell you? Well, you expect the surveyor to spot if there are any weaknesses anywhere. Maybe a structural weakness, something not straight that they spot and they think, hmm, there's a problem here. Or maybe damp, they see evidence of damp somewhere. Now, if they tell you this, what are you going to do with that information? Well, you're going to get someone to sort it out, aren't you, if you possibly can, to remedy the weakness, to treat the damp, to, to reinforce the joists. And to walk on with Christ as your Lord means reinforcing what you learned at the beginning, just as you were taught. Be established, be strengthened. Again, it's a, it's a passive word. Be strengthened in the faith. Now, we saw that to receive Christ involves learning the truth of the gospel message about the Lord Jesus and his death and resurrection and his return. So, to receive Christ involves that basic learning of the doctrines of the Christian faith about God's holy character, his righteous anger, his universal judgment, final justice, that no one is good in his sight. That's a shock to most people. And yet, the wonderful truth that God has provided a sacrifice in the person of his Son to take our sins upon himself in our place and to provide redemption. And not just personal redemption, but a reconciliation which is ultimately cosmic. A new world, a new heavens and a new earth. And one of the things that came through the testimonies was how important it is to reinforce the teaching that we receive at the beginning of the Christian life. Most clearly in the testament is it came through about the forgiveness of sins. Did you notice that? Lucia said, for example, every day I fail, I'm quoting her now, every day I fail, and every day God reminds me that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, those who are joined with him by faith. And it's vitally important that we, we never leave behind the fundamental truths like this, just as we were taught. Verse 7. If you like, gospel, the gospel is a medicine that we need to take every day for the rest of our lives. Reinforced in Christ by reminding ourselves repeatedly of basic gospel truths 
And then lastly, fourthly, abounding in gratitude, abounding in thanksgiving. If we walk on with Christ as our Lord, then we will be people overflowing with thankfulness. When you become a Christian, you are overwhelmed with what God has done in your life. He's forgiven you all your sins, past, present, and future. He's given you a hope for the future. Your body will be redeemed, this crumbling body that you're in. I know if you're young, you haven't spotted it yet, but it will crumble one day if you live long enough, be assured. It's going to be completely redeemed, transformed to be like Jesus' glorious body. What a prospect. How can you not be thankful for these things? Abundantly thankful. Indeed, gratitude is a hallmark of a genuine Christian. If you're talking to someone who really is a Christian, you will discover that they are so thankful to God for so many things. To put it the other way, a grumpy, grumbling so-called Christian is a contradiction in terms. You can't be a Christian, a true Christian, and grumpy and grumbling at the same time. So let me ask you, what are you thankful for today? Are you abounding in gratitude? What is your testimony? You heard three people earlier stand up here where I am, giving their testimony. What would we hear from your lips if you gave your testimony? Maybe it's time to stop and take stock of the promises that God has made, the privileges that belong to you if you're a Christian, the prospects that you have, eternal prospects. And if you're not yet a Christian, do you understand what is being offered in the gospel? The wonder of forgiveness of sins, of God's presence with you every day of your life, to the end, through his Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Of the glorious future that lies ahead, that you also will appear with Christ in glory if your trust is in him. These are wonderful things. And if you will start to walk with Christ as your Lord and your Savior, they can be yours too. And then you must walk on with Christ as Lord. That's how you'll keep going to the end, rooted in him, building on him, reinforced in him, abounding in gratitude. Then you will keep on going and not give up. Let's pray. Our Father, we hear the command loud and clear. Walk on with Christ as your Lord. And we who are Christians, we want to say, yes, Lord. That is what we want to do. Whether it means coming forward for baptism or just keeping going, trusting you in difficult times. Lord, we want you to be the one who's in charge of our lives. Father, if we're not yet Christians, please, would you keep at us until we realize the wonder of having Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. 
and join the ranks of those abounding in thanksgiving. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.